0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those who lived well and died well and bring that great legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful from our ancestral lines. I call out to these people who know already how to be good, true, helpful, helping spirits. And I ask them to help us to not be overwhelmed by those unresolved ancestral energies that seek to drive us in the old ways and to recreate the old world. I ask these ancestral helping spirits to help us to become the new people, to meet the challenges of our time, to grow, to change, and to transform, and to become those people that can write a truly new story for a truly new world. And let us do this in a way that those who are coming will look back at us as ancestors and be proud and honored to be of our own lineage. So I call out to these ancestors to gather around us here today and to help us, the living, to do what we have come here to do. And I call out to those ancestors that are non-human and ask them to join us here today as well to reach through the humans into those who are older and more ancient, those who have many 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 different manifestations of nature, the great great spark of life in its many forms and may we honor this great diversity and ask these helping spirits to assist us as well to help us to get out of the particularly ridiculous, snarling tangled, unbelievably messy absurdity that human beings can create and to actually show up to have the courage to do what is right and true even when it's hard and have the honesty within ourselves to know what it is that our heart is deeply longing to make manifest in the world. And we ask these energies of nature to help us surrender to our own true nature and do what we've really come here to do. So as these helping spirits gather around, knowing we have more help than we could possibly ever know what to do with, let us gather ourselves so that we can show up for the part that is ours to do. And call ourselves into our head, from our head to our heart, our heart to our belly, and from our belly, let us take a moment and touch the earth and give thanks for this day. Thanks for your life and the wonder and awe of that miracle. And we ask the earth for help so that we might be able to make beauty in this day, to rise above the challenges that are before us, to innovate, to change, to love, and to grow. And with this opportunity and the great generosity of the earth's dreaming, Let us give thanks and extend our energy down to the very center of the earth. Extending down, down, and down, allowing our gratitude to pour out layer after layer after layer until we anchor ourselves firmly at the center of the earth and tune in to the great nourishing, restoring, replenishing energy that is dark and still silent. That is the potential before all the great wondrous diversity and bounty here on the face of the planet. And let us reach deeply in and draw that energy up, drawing it up through all the layers of the earth into ourselves and allow ourselves to be restored and to be nourished by the elemental energy of the earth. And may we learn from the earth how to be grounded in our body, to know where we stand and what we stand for, to build our sense of home and family and belonging on these things that have true meaning and purpose in our lives. And let us do so in a way that opens the door to the other and know that it is through right relationship with the other that we will all be inspired to become the men and women we have truly come here to be. And from the energies of the earth and the great interconnection of the ecosystems we see all around us, may we come to understand our own inner self as well, to interconnect within, And then to reach out in a good way to others, to our environment, and to the invisible world. Let us come into right relationship with all things in our life and ultimately to know ourselves as part of the great web of life. And may we take right relationship with ourself from that moment of blessing. And as the energy of the earth moves into us and through us, let us draw that energy up, up and out the top of our head and out into the sky. From the sky through the atmosphere and the atmosphere out into the cosmos and reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe by whatever name you know that energy in whatever way you conceive of it if you have no name to reach to it all the way into it and to know yourself in it and it in you and to draw these radiant divine energies down into your day into these proceedings into your life and in this way we call in the essence energy of blessing for ourselves and for others We call in the energy of protection and commitment and devotion. We open up to the benevolence of our universe and call in the inspiration and illumination to guide us in this day. And we open our heart to the great beneficence of that thing that is so much larger than we are. And we call this energy in. And we draw this sky energy down through our body, deep into the earth and in this way, drawing together the earth and sky within us we become that place of meeting of these two great legendary lovers. And we allow the big love that is the essence of these two energies come together to awaken the spirit of our own heart. And as our hearts come alive and awake in that loving energy, let us awaken the crucible of transformation that exists in the heart and call up the fiery passions of our belly that hold the knowing of why we are here and let us call down the crystal clarity of the mind that can help us understand how it is that we do this thing in our time. And may we find in that very same heart the courage of heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that gift, that knowing of who you are and why you are here, to bring that energy out into the world. And for all of the spirit help around us to help us to do that, I give great thanks. I also want to give thanks to Megan, Despina, Mimi, Julie, Jason, Chelsea, Patricia, and Knisha To those who have been able to donate to the show, for those of you that are listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. It has been since uh, the first year was 2012. And this um, financial support from listeners allow us to pay the bills that keep the show on the air and that keep the archives available to anyone anywhere in the world who can get on the internet. And the shows are free. There's over – we're moving very quickly this year towards 400 hours of different podcasts on the application of shamanic skills in our contemporary life in a practical way and for this bounty this treasure to be available to people out there i do need your help and i am deeply grateful for those of you who are able to offer it as i have said many 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 times i'm not asking anyone to offer five thousand dollars but it would be lovely if five thousand of you could offer ten or a 1,005 or however the math works out. But my point is, it doesn't take much for us together to be able to keep the show alive and on the air and available to people. And also I want us to all stretch our understanding of what resource really means and to understand that there are many ways you can choose to act that may not be financial that can help the essence energy of the show to grow, these teachings to come alive in your life, in your journey circles, in your own shamanic practice, But do these things that allow the show to grow and allow yourself to be in an energetic exchange with the show. So if it has meaning to you in any way, if it moves your heart into inspiration or frustration, uh, please do something large or small to help the show to grow. So we also give gratitude to our producer, co-creatornetwork.com, and we are enormously grateful for their um, home here in the land of the internet. So we are live today after um, a while of being rerunning some shows. So if you have questions about today's topic, which is initiation is not graduation. So if you have any questions about that topic, please feel free to call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from the Code-CreatorNetwork.com site Or email me at Christina at LastMaskCenter.org. Of course, you're welcome to email me there at any time with questions about the show or ideas, um, anything um, inspired by the show that you want to share. Okay, so initiation is um, a topic that is often discussed on why shamanism now so please feel free to go to the why shamanism now.com site and search in the archives and you can find it there's a little easier to search these days it's easier to search on the why shamanism now site than it is on um, iTunes but um, nonetheless initiation we've touched on many times but I wanted to talk about um, I don't know, sort of a growing theme I see around us in the the world of contemporary shamanism and make a very um, pointed statement to say, initiation is not graduation. Initiation is not the formal certification of the successful completion of a course of shamanic training, nor is it the ritual or ceremony that celebrates that completion publicly. Initiation is a function. It is the enduring transformation of the collective energy of a person into a state of being that did not previously exist. And there are a lot of shows about this in the archives. In fact, there's a really interesting series um, about initiation in the archives. Um, But with that said, this show was really inspired by a student of mine, actually, who asked me at our gathering this winter, you know, when will we be initiated as my own students? And I thought, well, if my own students (laughs) (laughs) who <laughs> get to work with me all the time, don't really understand initiation as a function, then I guess I could give this topic another show or two here on My Shamanism Now. So back to this initiation series that's already in the archives. There are six shows. There's a beginning show and an ending show and then four interviews with different um, shamanic practitioners. And I selected these guests because they demonstrate four different timeless forms that initiation tends to manifest in for us humans here on Earth. So one person is an example of formal initiation within a living tradition that has formal training. And so this is an example that occurs within the, the living Zulu tradition of the Sangoma. And then there's another person who's offering the formal initiation within a dead tradition whose formal training is being revitalized by contemporary people who are feeling the call of this um, system of shamanism that existed at one time went underground to the point of appearing to die off and is now calling people to that path again. And that's happening around the world as well. Um then there's a another uh, guest who's talking about what i call a wild crafted initiation that's happening in a unique form in many in many indigenous cultures the shaman's initiation is um, purely about the relationship of the individual and their spirit help and the um, initiatory process and the training process is um, crafted by spirit, engaged in by the human, and what, and the functions are recognized by the people, but there is no sort of formal training that initiated shamans are drawing novices through. Um, there is simply the individual engaging with spirit. But the important point of this, engaging with spirit in the context of a culture that understands what's going on. And so this is part of the trickiness for contemporary people who are not in one of those rare cultures that still exist in, in very few places on the planet. But this is an example of a contemporary woman experiencing this kind of somewhat chaotic and spontaneous process outside of the container of a culture that knows what's going on. So it's out, out of context and the challenges of um having this kind of initiation happening in your relationship with spirit, but not really having the culture around you to acknowledge it. So this is part of the challenge of this particular form uh, form of initiation in contemporary times. And then finally, the fourth person is talking about a true initiatory illness, a strange and unexplainable illness that just begins draining away a person's life force until they completely surrender and give over to the initiatory helping spirit who is wanting to train them. In, in, in other words, the initiatory spirit into whose keeping the soul has gone, in a sense, and that the person effectively through the training is going to win their soul back. Um, but, of course, when they come back into fully into the land of the living, they are a different person than the one who left. Not only are they healthy, no longer in the illness, but they are, they are an entirely different human being than the one who got ill. And um, so that's a very classic form of initiation. Um, in shamanism in particular, not necessarily into adulthood. The one form that's missing in terms of just kind of classic forms of initiation around the world in shamanism is what I call the wildcrafted initiation in a traditional form. And so an example of this would be the young children whose souls are stolen by banjakri who's a spirit of sort of wild, fierce nature, spirit, energy, who steals the soul. The child is left in their life, the body of the child is left in their life with kind of just enough soul to let them sort of move as an automaton through their life uh, and in some barely um, left living while the the soul is in the other world with Banja being trained and ultimately um, learning enough in a sense to win their soul back and to escape and come back into their body and then like um, like the other initiatory processes, they, they do get back in their body, but they are not the child that left. Um, and the, the point of um, that particular form um, that I think is important is that the initiatory spirit, in this case Banjakri, is looking for the pure heart, and, and thus the stealing of the child's soul because it's easier to find a pure heart in a child than it is to find one in an adult. And this is the critical issue for us to recognize as mostly adults, looking at this issue of non-initiation slash initiation in our contemporary time, is to recognize that the spirits have always been looking for the quality of the heart and that's a really, really key to keep in mind as we uh, continue here today. So my point in this is that there are many forms of initiation, and the form is not the point. The point is that they all share a common function, that actual initiation is a function, it's not a form. So it doesn't matter how many times you repeat a traditional initiatory experience none of that guarantees you will be initiated because you have to allow the function of initiation to occur within you and so what is what are the elements of this function as as seen through a human experience so this this function of initiation has several qualities um, you know, as seen from the human perspective. So one is that the human uh, finds themselves or somehow gets into a situation where they are unplugged from what is familiar and comfortable. And they are often disconnected from their culture as a legitimate definition of reality. Um in researching the encyclopedia, I remember, the, I cannot remember the culture, but it was a, a particular culture where the young, the what would be effectively teenagers in our world, are taken away from the village into a hut that has no windows. And they are kept in darkness and they are trained by people they can't see. And um, so they're they're com- not only completely unplugged from their family and from what is comfortable, um, but they're 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 taken utterly away from their culture, and they're taken away from the simple normality of day and night. They are completely and utterly unplugged from normal life, and brought into this this. Um, manipulation of their senses that moves them into this um, non-ordinary state. So this is a really extreme example of this one characteristic. It's not true in all initiations, but again an extreme example of this particular point. So another quality that as we experience as humans in, an, in the function of initiation is that, and this is particular in the initiation from childhood to adulthood, and this is important um, to understand how this initiation then creates the correct foundation or correct meaning, functional foundation for initiations that follow into, into our calling effectively. So the important thing is sacrificing being forced, but choosing to sacrifice the relationship with your personal mother and your personal father, um, all that they owe you, all that you owe them. And so the family of origin issues and privileges You know, the unresolved issues, the debt you feel you're owed, as well as the privileges that come with your birth. Both, and all of these issues, whether they are resolved or unresolved, all of it gets sacrificed. And the relationship as a child with this man and this woman, or whoever your parents have been, whomever your parents have been, is severed, and that it must be sacrificed utterly. Now, by saying that, it doesn't mean you don't decide to continue to love these people after the initiation is over. That's not the point. The point is the dynamic of the relationship. All that is resolved and unresolved, all that is expected, all, all of that. The fact that you actually have a right as a child to expect things from your parents. These things, done. Okay. A third thing that is part of the quality as a human experiencing a, an initiatory function is that it's life-threatening. Initiation is not graduation. It is not the memorization of um, you know scholarly texts, religious texts, whatever it is. It's not. It's not about completing a course of training and demonstrating that completion through memorization. It is about facing a threat of death to the person that you have been and allowing some portion, if not in the moment, the perception of all of that person to die. And it's about allowing the one who was to go for the possibility of who you could be. And so then in that surrender, in that release, in that fear and threat of death, from that place of reaching out for life, we connect to archetypal mother and archetypal father, usually in the sense of earth and sky, but some sense of this larger cosmology that is not bound by humanity or culture, but is bigger than that. In other words, we forge a nurturing and sustaining relationship parent-child relationship with the larger cosmology. So, of course, this is a tricky piece for those of you who have a faulty cosmology or none at all. Because the whole point and the function of initiation is to getting you as a human being reorganized so that your primary relationship is with the larger reality that is going on here, not your culture, not your in-your-face, day-to-day human drama, but the bigger picture. And so um, the final um, kind of defining characteristic of a human experience in, in this initiatory function is that on the other side of this, the arc of this experience is the animation of a self who is unfamiliar and uncomfortable and that self is the one who carries a new awareness, who carries this primary relationship with this bigger world, this larger cosmology, and, is, uh, and refuses to surrender that as they come back into everyday life to fit in again but that the primary relationship with the larger cosmology and this new person that you become as uncomfortable as they are refuses to go back toward comfort towards fitting in towards the familiar towards the person who was but that this new person the the thought of that is equivalent to death and so this these are qualities that make up this function of initiation, which is not about the form. There are many forms, many traditional, many utterly spontaneous and unique to that one person. The issue around initiation is function. And the most important thing to understand is you are not owed initiation doesn't matter how much money you spend, it doesn't matter how much time you spend, it doesn't matter how many classes you take, how many times you do that initiatory experience. You are not owed initiation. Initiation is an experience you surrender yourself to. And no one can do that surrendering for you. Okay, so obviously, it's not about just completing a set of training. It's not just the ability to apply what you learned in a training, right, and to merit that initiation. It's about the ability not only to apply what you've learned and be effective, but to cultivate a kind of mastery in this new person and um, ultimately to be able to innovate in this new, in this training, whatever this form is that you've learned, whatever this training is that you've learned, that you're not just mimicking back what you've been taught, but that you're actually capable because you have an authentic relationship of your own with spirit to innovate within that form. So again, it's not about how many initiatory rituals you've participated in. I mean, I mean, a a big example for me is I I had a lot of um, messages from spirit well into my practice to go with a colleague of mine, Larry Peters, to Nepal and to experience the first level sort of initiatory experience in the training of, of um, these Nepalese shamans. And um, and I did that. I saved my money, went and did the trip, did the whole thing. It was marvelous. And I learned a lot. I had powerful transformations, lots of change, lots of insight. I got no complaints. And Nothing on that trip, as amazing as all of it was, came anything near the reality and the intensity and the transformative effect of my own spontaneous initiation, you know, in the middle of my chaotic life in Manhattan with my hair on fire, not knowing what the hell was going on and having no culture around me. Because the point is the function of initiation happened there in that spontaneous experience for me in New York and going through these other initiatory experiences and other cultures is wonderful work but just because I did an initiatory ritual doesn't mean that I was initiated in it okay so just a personal example so the important thing, then, is to realize that one can experience an initiation process without being initiated, and this is going on all the time on all of these trips that people take to different cultures to experience other cultural initiations. That doesn't mean some people don't receive initiation, but the fact that you're in a process, paid your money, was un- you were uncomfortable on the trip, doesn't... Necessarily mean you got initiated so somewhere and part of this is our own cultural confusion, so we come by our confusion, honestly, I would say so somewhere in the recent past, since the development of therapy, as we know it today, which was before I was born. Right. But, but certainly after Carlos Castaneda published his books and Lynn Andrews published hers, that somewhere in that time frame, the therapeutic world began carelessly using the term initiatory illness, be it physical or mental. And, and let's, let's give them credit. Let's just say that they did this for the best of reasons, which was to try to help people give meaning to their suffering. And to open up the possibility that that suffering could be the impetus for a kind of healing transformation in their life so let's give them the benefit of the doubt nonetheless it was careless it was like a bunch of kids waving around a gun around that they didn't know how to use but that in itself was not necessarily the problem it was just careless as long as it was framed uh or this information was framed as using the shaman's experience as metaphor therefore you could use your mental or physical illness as this initiatory journey to to open up the possibility that there is meaning that you can make a meaning in this illness and and transform okay that would be fine the issue though is somewhere a little bit further down the road uh, in the even more recent history, there developed this sort of school of thought in therapeutic circles um, that every illness is an initiatory illness and that all mental illness is just a shaman waiting to happen. It's just these, these, these poor shamans waiting to happen that don't have a culture that's willing to initiate them. So so already just to say those few sentences I'm already falling into this this sort of gross overall misunderstanding about initiation and the bottom line support of that misunderstanding culturally in America at least but I think that this is true in most Western cultures is the assumption that the people doing the therapy and the healing are actually adults and most of them, from the perspective of initiation from childhood into adulthood, they're not. So, so the thinking is based on faulty assumptions in the first place. Okay, so this is, this is the point where we started talking about, you know, all illness as initiatory. We lost the relationship with the function of initiation. And this, so this is where we broke with reality. Uh, the deeper reality and we got attached to the form and just utterly lost track of initiation as a function and so when it comes to this topic of initiation I most often see these three things in my life around me I see the rare exception which is an actual initiation and it's delightful to meet those people and um, to, to recognize that they they ask an entirely different set of questions and engage the world in an entirely different way than those people who are still seeking initiation or wondering if they've already had it. And if you've had it, you wouldn't be wondering. But anyway, so that's number one, the rare exceptions of the actual initiations. The second thing I see is a lot of assumption that I have been initiated because I paid my money, I traveled to the other country, I was with powerful shamans and I did the ritual. Sometimes I've done it many, many times, so therefore I must be initiated, even though the function of initiation has yet to happen. And the third thing I see is this kind of ping pong, uh, going back and forth between two misunderstandings and what I consider kind of the misuse of two powerful um, sort of healing stories. So one side of the ping pong table is the wounded healer. And it's being misinterpreted as this wound or illness validates my right to identify myself as a healer. But the underlying thing is therefore I can't really heal it because once I heal it, I'm not validated anymore as the wounded healer. So that's one side of it. And then the other side of it, as you ping pong across the table, is this longing for a true initiatory illness that will validate the person's desire to be a healer. And in that, you know, is this my initiatory illness? Hmm. Well, no. Well, maybe this one. This one's my initiatory. Oh, well, maybe not this one. Well, maybe this illness now is my initiatory illness. And so it's ping ponging back and forth around illness. And never the willingness to surrender into the path that it offers, into the actual transformation. But just um, is this my initiatory illness? Great, let me fix it. You know, and, and so it's problematic. But if I fix it, then I won't be the wounded healer. So maybe I, you know, so ping-pongs back and forth in people's thinking. Um, and there are practitioners that literally sit across from me in a session, and and follow that line of thought around and around and around and around neither one of those true teaching stories actually being truly understood. So the important thing to understand is one can experience change even profound change without being initiated and one can experience true transformation. I have many times true transformation without being initiated. That change and and transformation are good and so is initiation. It's all wonderful, but it's not all the same thing. Okay. So the fact that it was intense and uncomfortable and that you feel different isn't the point. The point is, are you both rendered unable to be who you were utterly and actually able now to become the you that you do not know who is functional and effective in the world and that's the piece about this that is missed once the initiatory function is complete we it's like we move through an arc of experience and we come out on the other side actually functional and effective able to act in the world we are uncomfortable with ourselves. we are different than who we have ever been, we often don't know what the fuck is going on, but we aren't crazy in a bad way. We're now crazy in a good way. And we know what it is that we're here to do. Okay, so I talked with Dragon about this. Dragon energy is about wisdom, strength, high spirituality expressed here on Earth, and the power to transform the impossible Uh, so in other words dragon is really helpful explaining what is going on when what is going on is doing so in multiple dimensions engaging multiple wisdom bodies with multiple depths of meaning all simultaneously dragon is very helpful in those situations and initiation is one of those situations plus dragons are just really cool I mean, who doesn't want to be with a dragon, right? So so I've been speaking so far here today sort of interchangeably between initiation into adulthood, which is something all of us should strive for and initiation of a shaman. Um, And so I'm gonna try to clean that up a little bit now for the, the rest of the show. So if you want to be initiated as a shaman, focus on your initiation into adulthood. Why? Because the spirits are looking for a pure, clear heart. They're always looking. And we always forget this part that that's what they're looking for. They aren't looking for wildly gifted and powerful people. They can make anyone gifted and powerful. They're looking for the pure heart because that's the part they can't do. The purity of our heart is on us. Only we can change the quality of our hearts. And we are doing so every day through the quality of our choices. Okay, so here's what Dragon showed me. I mean, that's ultimately what Dragon said, but here's how Dragon showed me. He took me back into my life before my spontaneous initiation, into the messy time before that, when unbeknownst to myself, (laughs) because I certainly didn't know what the hell was going on, I was actually cobbling together an initiation into adulthood, kind of on the fly, in spite of my culture right? So these were the qualities of that time. So this is me leaving my life in California, moving to New York to dance again, right? With my one skill set, which is the clearing process that I teach. No shamanic skills, just the clearing process. So the important thing that Dragon said is one, you are not a special human, which I do understand, but he also wants you to understand that there, there's nothing special about me at all. I'm not special. I'm just a human like you. Right? And that was the point is I was just a human doing the best I could with what little I had. And so the thing is, I focused on the use of one skill, which was the c- emotional clearing practice. Emotional and e- clearing practice and energy cultivation, energy body awareness, intuitive energy awareness. All of all of this goes together in the way that I understand this skill. So I focused painstakingly on the use of that skill, which meant every single day with discipline, doing the emotional clearing work, cultivating the energy body, cultivating groundedness, cultivating good boundaries, and doing all of this in the crazy energetic mayhem that is Manhattan. The the other thing that I was doing, Dragon said, is that I was really doing a reasonably good job, given the fact that I had no teacher and no guidance, um, to to bring the new behaviors into action in my life. So I would do a clearing and then I would think about, okay, so if I've cleared that story and I've cleared that belief, what is the new belief I want to be living? What are the thoughts that support that? And what are the actions that are going to begin to anchor that into my new pattern of energy? And that's that's what I did. And in that, in my mind, was my focus on gaining freedom now I didn't see that in any context of initiation but if we go back to what I said at the beginning of the show to understand the function of initiation that focus on freedom was about focusing on getting freedom from my um, normalized relationship with my two lovely parents and my life my culture my schooling my training everything I had been taught to be was about seeking freedom from that. So after doing that for many years, when I did finally receive soul retrieval, this was the insight that I hadn't really seen that dragon showed me, that my heart was cleared and my emotional energy was clear enough that as those soul parts were brought back... I recognized the patterns in them immediately because they were the reason for all the clearing that I had done. But they also gathered the shadow selves that resonated with the same patterns. And as those energies came, were brought back into my life through the soul retrieval process, um, I was able to watch their integration as I did the integration and not become buried in it and overwhelmed and lost because the patterns were already very familiar to me. I had already, in a sense, cleared the way in my heart for the new energies, the new form of the energies to take place in my life. Again, not because I knew what I was doing, but because I trusted the clearing process and I just did it every day. So this is Dragon's first point. By focusing on clearing my heart and choosing to live with emotional maturity, I gained freedom from the influence of my family of origin patterns, and I was able to lay the ground for initiation. So this first initiation into adulthood, which was fairly unintentional, and then to continue to lay the ground for the initiation in shamanism, which wasn't even on my radar, you know, so it's So it's not even that I was seeking these initiations. Initially, I was seeking freedom to live my soul's purpose. And that was all I was asking for. But in the doing of it, because for whatever crazy chaotic reason of my life, the only skill I had was to clear my heart. And in clearing of my heart, unintentionally, I created this fertile soil with my life for the seeds of initiation to take root. And this is this is what dragon showed and and my point about this back to the whole i'm really not special i'm a human like you is you can do that too and that that's the the big message that dragon has is all you need is the proper skills to clear your heart and you will create the fertile soil for initiation to come into your life so next dragon brought my attention to the relationship between Quan yin and the dragon And he reminded me that all little American children and a whole lot of European children are raised on tales in which the knight slays the dragon and is given the princess as a prize, further perpetuating the patterns of the abuse of power that so deeply characterize any male-dominated, mentally fixated culture like mine. Now, Kuan Yin, on the other hand, brings compassion And the clear sight of illumination that we get only from a true, pure heart. She understands through that compassion and that vast heart energy, she comes to understand dragon's wild heart, dragon's fierce intensity, and often chaotic, big nature. And she does not seek to change it, but to harmonize with it and to be in intimate relationship with it. And in this loving acceptance from her clear heart, Dragon is transformed. She is said to tame the dragon. I would say she groks the dragon. She groks the dragon's immense coolness, and they start to hang out together. Dragon gets to feel the intimate embrace of her gigantic heart. And to be known in it, to be seen, to be heard, to be acknowledged for what dragon is in it. And she, Quan Yin, gets the wild joy of riding around on a dragon. Who doesn't want to ride a dragon? I mean, for goodness sakes, right? So, the point dragon is making, that this story illuminates the true power of emotional clearing. That when we learn to clear what we harbor in our hearts and our bodies with the power of loving compassion. That we realize that we're not killing anything off. When we think about clearing, it's not like we're just, it's not like cleaning my house. It's not like we're clearing away things that need to be thrown away. Right? That when we meet these energies that we hold in our heart and we hold in our body from the past with the power of this loving compassion, we come into intimate relationship with the intense, wild, fierce powers of our own heart that have been betrayed, that have been shut down, that have been tried to make small. But we finally see them and hear them as Kuan Yin harmonizes with Dragon. We harmonize with this intense wild fierce powers of our heart. So what Dragon is saying is that if you do not have the, that you do not have the courage to be a shaman. If you cannot be intimate with the dragons in your own heart. And so lastly, Dragon drew my attention back to initiation. That initiation is a function, not a form or the power some other human being anoints you with. That at the heart of the function of initiation is picking up your fundamental medicine or dying. So the fundamental medicine that we are all here to pick up is our soul's purpose. So in a sense, it is our purpose that initiates us into adulthood. So that we can become the man or the woman who can live that purpose in the world. So after that, after that initiation, that fundamental initiation of our fundamental medicine, in other words, I lay down the child I have been and what I expect from that, what I think I'm owed, what I think I'm entitled, what I think is expected of me fitting in, trying to be comfortable, all that stuff, that I sacrifice that for the the power of my medicine my uh soul's purpose as medicine i draw that energy up and it demands of me that i step into the world into the adult world and be a better human so then after that we shift our focus to the vehicle the work itself how will i bring this soul's purpose in the world what are the actions what will what are the actions i will take what will best bring that purpose into the world for some that vehicle also requires initiation for others, it does not, and this is again the main reason Dragon is saying focus on clearing your heart create fertile soil for the seeds of initiation, so we can at least become adults spiritually mature, emotionally mature, energetically mature, and connect ourselves to the bigger energy that's going on here. From that perspective, we will live differently. We will make different choices. We will create a different world. While doing that, some of us will be called again into initiation because the vehicles that we need to live our soul's purpose, those vehicles require initiation as well. And so this could be true if you're meant to be some kind of mage, some kind of you know magician, storyteller, shaman, medicine person. These different roles that require that. Honestly, <laughs> frankly, I think parenting should require initiation, but it doesn't seem to work that way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I digress. So back to the task at hand here. So the point is, Dragon's point is that our job as humans in this contemporary world where our culture is failing us and not initiating us is to simply get to the task of clearing our hearts. And I don't mean pacifying, I don't mean learning these clear the upset in the moment techniques. They're wonderful techniques to have because you often need to clear the upset in the moment. I mean the techniques that get at, okay, now that I'm clear, I'm not upset in the moment. Why did I get upset in that moment? And let me track back to that aspect of myself and to clear that. That's what I'm talking about. The, it, for example, the clearing practice that I teach. Uh, okay, so for us then, our job is to clear the heart, to create the fertile ground that is needed to receive the seed of initiation and then to give that seed what it needs to grow which is often freedom, freedom of expectation, freedom from needing to fit in, freedom from needing to be comfortable, freedom from needing to be the person you were before. So it's not our job to keep reaching for the seed, to keep wanting the initiation, to keep believing we deserve it or we're entitled to it. It's not our job to go hunting for someone to give us the seed or to demand the seed. Because we feel that we've earned it. We should have it by now. It's not our job to reach for the seed. The seed of initiation actually is dropped into our lives all the time. But we are not fertile ground to receive it. And this, I believe, is the deepest part of Dragon's message. In spite of all that is wrong in our world right now. We are still capable of clearing our hearts, to creating fertile ground within ourselves for these seeds of initiation, to receive them, to nurture them, to let them grow in our lives, and to become initiated adults. And that in and of itself would change the world. Because of the actions we would then take and the other actions we would no longer engage in. So what I mean by this, this idea that we're not the fertile ground to receive them, I see people all the time that desperately want to be initiated, either as adults now, especially those of you that come because you're listening to the show and I harp about this all the time, But also a lot of people that want shamanic initiation, they want initiation into some sort of healing form, some sort of way to use their gifts. And they want it, want it, want it, want it. And those seeds come into their lives all the time and pass through because their ground is not ready, is not fertile. Not not ready because that implies if I just do the same thing more. But the point is no, the ground is dry because you are emotionally cut off to what is really going on in your heart because of your past. For some, the ground is soggy and overrun. The seeds become bloated and waterlogged and rot. Why? Because your emotional life is indulged. It's a great deal of emotional unwellness and drama going on constantly engaged in the drama of our culture for others the ground is boggy and stagnant people are depressed the seed lands and can't take root because the balance between the earth and the sun and the water is not healthy the heart is not healthy for some the ground of the heart is on fire with rage the need for things to be different the, the desire for things to change, with the passion to make a change, but without the skills to do it, and without the willingness to become the person who will. And for others, the ground is simply churned constantly. It's being plowed and plowed and plowed, so that all the new growth is constantly plowed under because that person wants the full grown cornstalk, is unwilling to be patient and wait for the little seedling to come up and these are examples many but this is what I see and the capacity to cultivate fertile ground in your heart is yours every single one of us possesses it you may not have the skill but you can easily learn it so what dragon says to us all is to become the fertile ground for the seed of initiation to purify your heart just as Kuan Yin tames the dragon become intimate with the intense, wild, fierce powers of your heart and learn to ride them with joy. So I give thanks obviously to Dragon for today. Give thanks to the ancestors below the sky, the sorry, the ancestors around the earth below, the sky above and the heart that unites us all. So. We just want to let people know what is going on at Last Mask Center, Masks of Illusion, the beginning of the cycle. Waiting list, which is about half full for being able to offer a second offering of Masks of Illusion this year. If that wait list does not fill to to populate a second class, we'll turn all that over into Uh, first reservations for, uh, first registration for 2017. Um, My ceremony for the year of ceremony, which has already had two um, Sandra Ingerman and Oscar Miro Casada have done their their ceremonies. My ceremony is, oh, I'm sorry, not Oscar, um, Jose Stevens, sorry about that. Um, My ceremony is this month coming up in May. And uh, so you can still register online. You can go to the homepage of lastmasscenter.org and register um, through the homepage because the rituals are recorded. So if you're not able to do them live, you can participate later. And then finally, the clearing class that I just so strongly spoke of um, is ready for registration in September and there's Basic Journeying and Ancestral Healing in October. So mostly at here at Last Mass Center, we're moving into the cycle training um, in the summer, and the classes will be available again in the fall. They are, the classes here in Portland are very small. So if you want to participate, I would suggest that you register now. So thank you, everyone. Have a great week, and go find a way to ride a dragon.